Previously on Talking Joe. Man alive, I take that curly whirly out the fridge. It is rock solid. It is like eating uh, like a real hard butterscotch candy. It's like no good to me. I wanted that chewiness from the curly whirly and it's just brittle and snapping off as I put it in my mouth. Talking Joe is on the air and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey! <laughs> it's the Halloween chief dog. <laughs> I got no idea. Okay. <laughs> and hey, everybody, it's me, Doctor Mark. Yes, he's 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 kind of a Halloween character, isn't he, uh, Doctor Riviera? The amount of uh, crazy mm. horror stuff he gets up to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never seen one of these before. <laughs> Oh, you got yeah, me wanting to watch um, Simpsons now. It's like S-Jobs when he mentioned casually a movie or whatever, and I'm like, oh, homework. Now, now I want to watch Simpsons, so uh, Funky Bunch giving the Chief Dog homework. But um, how are you? How have you been? Um, as of recording, we'll pull back the curtain. It is the day after Halloween, 1st of November. This episode won't go out for a few days, but um, how was your Halloween, sir? Uh, yeah, it was It was all right. So uh, sort of a, a, a sort of semi-lockdown uh, Halloween when it's sort of... Not doing the normal sort of trick or treats, but yeah, we had some uh, fun anyway. The the kids still sort of dressed up a little bit, and we uh, set them a, a scavenger hunt around the uh, around the house. Nice. They made a Halloween cake, and they sculpted some little Halloween figurines out of that um, Fimo clay stuff. Okay, had, I saw uh, your uh, doggy pumpkin. Very good yeah, carving, sir. Had some uh, two pumpkins. Yeah, doggy pumpkin, which was uh, Tom Thomas's request. Okay. And uh, Joe went out and bought a bunch of uh, paraphernalia as well. So we had uh, uh, giant cobwebs made out of bin bags, but nice. you know, black bin bags and yep. uh, that sort of stuff. So uh, yep. yeah, it's still still all Halloweeny. I um I carved three pumpkins with just kind of regular Oof. Halloween jack o' lantern faces, and I went out yesterday to buy a fourth one because I wanted to do a Darth Vader helmet mm-hmm. in a in a pumpkin and. Uh, God damn it, man. People, stop buying all these pumpkins from the Chief Dog because I went to Little Sainsbury's, Big Sainsbury's, uh, Tesco Express and Lidl. Not one pumpkin in sight. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They were in... Well, I had a look Friday... Um, what's today? Sunday. I had a look Friday night and I think there was like two left in one of the stores and I thought, oh, they'll, get, they'll put a load more out on Halloween, surely, but they didn't, so... Crikey. Yeah. There wonder what's happening behind the scenes with all of the pumpkins. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe they haven't grown as many. Or yeah, well, I was buying carving pumpkins as well. I wasn't buying because normally I buy like just regular eating pumpkins, carve them, and use all the insides to make a pumpkin pie or pumpkin tart. But this year, I thought I'm just gonna they're a bit more expensive. But this year, I just bought carving pumpkins, two quid each. Um, I don't know if you can still. I guess you can still eat them, but they're labelled as carving pumpkins, maybe because the inside right. maybe isn't as sweet or nice. But. Oh, maybe I didn't. I didn't appreciate this whole thing. We had uh, we had pumpkin pumpkin soup yesterday. Oh, nice Cur- curried pumpkin soup. Sounds good. Sounds it's good. Right it's the good. Chief, um, I've been watching some Halloween movies. Oh uh, yeah. Over the last week, well, I say Halloween movies. They're kind of scary movies on the basis that they're not very good, and that is the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, um, interesting. So I have watched five of the six. I still have one to go. So I think it's Resident Evil, then there's Apocalypse, Extinction, Afterlife, something else, and then the final chapter. But uh, the first one, three stars on Letterboxd, quite enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Had seen it before. Then they do start going downhill. It's kind of two and a halfs. 
Two and a half for the Chief, not a regrettable watch. So didn't mind watching them at all. Silly fun. Mila Jovovich, whatever her name is, is great in the title and the lead character. But um, yeah, just kind of throw away silly fun. Seen any of them? Uh, I've not. I've got. I've got the. I think three in a box set. So okay. um, yeah, I might dig those out. We've been. Uh, we've been on a sort of kids' Halloween uh, trip this week. So we watched Goosebumps, the yes. house with uh, clocks in its walls, yep. and the Adams Family new cartoon, which I believe is twenty nineteen. Okay. Um, yeah. All all right. Now, would they appreciate... I, I should have watched last night, and I didn't. I said to, to Ben and Faceman that I was going to, and I'm a liar, not a man of word. I said I was going to watch Ghostbusters. Would would they appreciate Ghostbusters? Yeah. Well, do I don't know. We've tried it on them before, and they didn't really okay. uh, particularly like it. It's, it's, it's quite a slow opener yes, to, ghost, to Ghostbusters, which is, yeah. I think, often the way with those 80s films. Um so yeah, we won't give up on it, but um, no, <laughs> last last time it didn't work. <laughs> okay, well next Halloween, give us an update, a progress report. I'll expect they've watched it, and it's one of their top movies. Um, otherwise, disown them kids. But um, yeah, uh, what else has been going on? Oh yeah, uh, this has been going on. Inside Chief's mind. It's dark. It's cold. Can you be brave? Can you be bold? Safety gear on you, don't know what you'll find. Digging in deep into Chief's mind. Inside Chief's mind. Are you trapped? Or can you escape? Recording all your thoughts like a videotape. Inside Chief's mind. I said inside Chief's mind. Yeah, so, i tell you what I'm not a big fan of. House hunting. And people in those houses. No, um, mm. so we... <laughs> We are trying to move. We looked at three houses yesterday. The first one we looked at was very nice, um, but you know, it's difficult. You've got a budget. You've you've got things you like, and then you make a short list of maybe four or five things you like. These are essentials, and we're finding that just cannot hit all five. So you, we want uh, a garden. We we want um, a good loft space. We want a kitchen diner. We want commutable distance i walk into school and to a train station and then five optional is kind of parking got a motorbike no car but when lockdown ends and people want to visit nice to have parking and this place we looked at yesterday no parking at all Um, garden little bit smaller than our current one and our current one's not that big anyway but interior was very nice and it's kind of like okay well is that sacrifice you can make i don't know um then i spoke i actually went and knocked on the neighbor's door and said you know what what's this area like and i knew the area because this house is actually only three minute walk from my current house but i kind of said oh what's this street like and he said yeah really nice and quiet he said apart from the stoners that live on the corner and i smell weed all day (laughs) so you know what well, how much stock do you put in that? So my missus is like, right, for the next three days, three nights, you need to go and lurk outside their house at 9pm to, to see oh, how much noise grief. and what you can smell. And I'm like, really? I spoke, and I was like, on reflection, I was like, yeah, you probably do need to scope out a house at all different times of day to think for traffic noise, to look for, you know, who's about, what's the lighting in the area like, because my missus will be coming back from work late, walking home. So you actually do need to scope out a premises all different times a day but yeah i mean if anyway, you're taking it properly seriously then and then you've got these these doubts about you know 
maybe how you know those neighborhood issues it's yeah, it's yeah. not you know it's worth investing a little bit and then of time in considering we the looked price. at one in the afternoon i sent you the pictures and it was like this is the house for the chief it had a nice porch and it had a downstairs playroom it had a conservatory purpose-built then it had a real nice high-pitched living room lounge area dining room fully fitted modern kitchen a massive garden kind of a landscaped area then at the back that the owner was a, a session musician so he'd built a soundproof studio in the back i'm like this is massive this can have scale electrics it's a podcast in studio everything it's an action figure display center comics can go in there it's like this is the one this is the dream house slightly outside our budget but we probably could stretch we came out of the property i was like right to the missus right we need to offer on this asap she's like nah, i didn't really like it She's like, nah, no character. Too modern, too clean lines. Didn't, didn't, not rustic enough. Yeah, too, like, nice. Oh too nice, too nice. Yeah, too nice, too yeah. nice. Yeah, don't know. So anyway, oh, this house hunting malarkey is not fun, I tell you. No, it's seriously not. Yeah. Well, look, the, the you know, I, I, difficult to know when you're watching programmes and documentaries and stuff, but I think it's been backed up by some science, but we're, I think, 11 years away from the extinction event aren't we in that in, in that <laughs> if the human population doesn't reverse this path we're on in 11 years time we will then be on the slope towards extinction which is irreversible okay so yeah. we've got 11 Climate. years otherwise the human population is going to go is going to hit that extinction event and then it, but no they're not telling us it's i don't think how long that lasts so the extinction tipping of, point yes yeah, the, the tipping right. point gets hit and it cannot be reversed but that might be, you know, 2,000 years until we're actually extinct. It's not like in 11 years' time the planet blows up. It's just it cannot be reversed and then, um, you know, 500, 1,000, 10,000 years and we're no more. But um, yeah, yeah. I suspect big... the planet is probably going to be dead in about 60 years. <laughs> okay. Or well, it could get to the year 3,000. Everything's the same, but we all live underwater. So, yeah, yeah. you, you know, don't know. There you go. There you Who's go. to um, say? Listen, after all this depressing talk, uh, let's talk about something good. Let's talk about some fiascos. Let's talk about action figure fiascos. Action figures. We all love them. We all love them. Action figures. Oh, yeah. They bring us joy in our daily lives. Bring us joy. Action figures. Evoking memories from our childhood. childhood But now we're grown and we just can't stop Just can't stop Buying plastic till our wallets pop 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 When will it end? Who can say? Who can say? Cause action figures are part of our DNA 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 Some people say maybe we've gone a little whack but action figures bring us joy like a rainbow They are so hot like a splash of Tabasco Now it's time for action figure fiasco Now it's time for action figure fiasco Right, so a couple more figures on the block this week Oh, quick update from last week where the Chief was out of the action figure game Chief's back in Oh, crikey. Well, no. <laughs> no. Hi, not back in. I think I said last week that my my purchasing trend was stopping and I was going to 
potentially go back to like a regular human being and just buy you know four to six a year mm-hmm. um, figures that i needed if i miss pre-orders don't care if i miss that figure so what not bothered um but just you know four to six figures a year like a regular sane person of figures that i like don't have to collect them all what's the point um that kind of trend ben and i was kind of swayed in a way by ben who had the bug with me and he was in a chat and he was saying actually i posted a link to an action figure and he's like why are you posting all these links he's like action figures are absolutely dead to me they mean nothing to me stop posting stuff about action figures i hate them what's the point and then yesterday sent me a sent me a message in it he's like oh i just bought a cheeky chewy six inch uh, black series. <laughs> and i was like what are you doing Choo-choo. he goes yeah i'm back in <laughs> so you think you're out but they pull you back in but anyway listen enough of that let's talk about this one and it is a classified gi joe it is roadblock yeah. now um when the promo images were coming out i thought this was the best looking figure um and i'm tempted to now still go with that i really like the chunkiness of the build mm-hmm. you know big thighs big kind of barrel chest nice muscled arms um head good proportion thick neck love that look um the, the i like the gloved hands i like the color scheme is is close enough to v2 That's vintage right, yeah. um i don't mind too much the gold on the shins and the knee pad you could that's easily fixable with a bit of paint if you did want to yeah customize that and it's also um, a kind of unifying look between the uh the f- figures of uh series one classified yeah. they've all got that little flash of gold somewhere yeah. Yeah. the the big kind of sci-fi gun i don't even mind that too much you know um obviously it'd be better with a 50 cal but I, I, you know i don't mind i don't mind the fact that we're not getting the toys we loved vintage in a direct six inch scale that doesn't bother me i know it is a, a big issue for you know true diehard vintage people but for me, I don't particularly care what other people think. So for me, that's that's actually not a problem. Um, holds the gun well, nice grip, nice, much more tighter as well. Like the snake eyes and the scarlet, I think we mentioned the legs and the yeah, torso yeah. very loose. This one, really tight, nice. Yeah, I guess he's got that vest on him as well. I don't know whether that helps with the yeah. keeping it a little bit less loose. Yeah, nice knife. I forgot about the knife. I had it in his, in his, in his sheath on his chest. I never actually had that's him holding right. it. It's always been in there. But does he hold that well? Uh, well, yeah. Given given his sort of his size and whatnot, it is and uh, yeah. Sometimes because it's quite a little small knife. Yeah. Some of these things times can be a bit floppy, can't they? And sort of not really grip. But yeah, it seems alright. Yeah, it's, it's a good. nice little touch. It's sort of it's very dinky compared to the rest of uh, the you know his size and also the rest of the the scale of the knives that come with the other figures. Yeah. But yeah, yeah maybe it's more for. Uh, peeling uh, an apple or, or yeah. whatever oh yeah well, he's, a, he's a, a a chef so isn't he a hot cuisine chef and he teams up with major blood to go on the road no that was just me um <laughs> yeah now, lastly on this guy not this guy specifically but have you got the cobra island version of roadblock no i've just got the the regular i decided against the um cobra island one as i thought didn't need okay. two of the same figures uh, although yeah if they'd just given him a different name i might have felt differently <laughs> i was going to say <laughs> weirdly you probably, psychologically you probably just say he's heavy duty or something can you or yeah i mean uh, uh, there isn't a huge amount that would suggest that they're actually the same guy apart from the fact that they've got both got i think the the same lion tattoo on their right on okay. their arm um 
yeah i mean the the other the sort of the other version of roadblock has got the sunglasses and has got a much longer beard and has got a bandana so they yes. they do look pretty different to be yeah, honest yeah now um, um i've had this little oh, what i thought was a water canteen or a magazine just at his feet because like what is this for and then oh, you know pre-recording i was like what does this do and then you were like well it actually goes in the gun i've turned the gun upside down i've actually seen a slot for it so <laughs> yeah so i'm slotting that magazine in why they felt the need to have that as a removable accessory don't know serves almost no purpose but um other than that really like this figure gonna give it eight out of ten i don't know if we've been grading figures we haven't we haven't (laughs) why not (laughs) and Um, what i like as well is the the fact that with this with this six inch joe scale is that they've they've made them different sizes yes so the original three and three quarter inch they they were pretty much across the board all the same height really there was very very little variation whereas this you know you compare scarlet to roadblock there is uh uh, you know quite a significant difference between the two and then yeah you know, duke's somewhere in the middle and you get so, gung-ho we might talk about gung-ho next week and that guy's a beast yeah because um, i think he's used the same they've used the same mold as roadblock so ah, i think right, he's a okay. similar height to uh, roadblock okay. all right let's move on we've got one more to discuss and this is from necker and it is the ultimate armored lost predator now got this in a deal 27 quid i think they retail for about 37 or 40 or something like that um big boy he's about eight inches i'd say now i don't know much about this line other than i think NECA have produced quite a lot of predators over the years i think they've got the main license for them and they did a line and then what they've done is they've re-released them all under the ultimate brand so you know a bit of remolding a bit of uh, better paint apps maybe better accessories etc and the one i've got here i think is from predator 2 i could be wrong but um, really nice, comes with three heads. He's got the open um, mouth, the closed mouth, and he's got a helmet where you push a button on the top and the eyes light up red. It's got a little battery in it, amazing. He's got a shoulder-mounted uh, cannon, kind of laser cannon thing. He comes with a throwing disc with kind of um, spindles coming off of it, kind of the open uh, jazz hands, nice sword. Um, the dreadlocks are all rubbery and movable. Just a really nice kind of good articulation for such a big figure but a, a really nice uh, guy i've sent you some pictures i don't know if you've been able to look him up online yeah very good yeah very tempted to, to pick up a predator myself yeah um, it's not being... I'm, you know I, I went down the, the thinking of look i'm not gonna collect all the predators i'm not going into this line at all but i figure when they're this good you probably should have at least one predator on your shelf so mm. Um, yeah have a look have a look at these necker ultimate predators have a google because a lot of them they are all different they've got the different um, skin tones and paints and accessories so even if you wanted to get more than one there's it where there's you know plenty of differences between them to warrant it but yeah so have a look pick out your best one and um be interested maybe on a future episode um you know action figure fiasco can be discussing one of your predators <laughs> so you you're an enabler here now chief it's not trying. just that you're out you know you're not just out of the, uh, out of the game and back in it's <laughs> you're trying to push it on everyone else good stuff more action figure fiasco next week but right now it's time for comic talk comic talk oh comic talk barry hammer rides them chief and mark discuss them whoa comic talk oh comic talk Larry Hammer rides them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa! Okay, on this week's show we are covering issues 244 and 245 of A Real American Hero. Um, these are from... 
September and October 2017. Larry Harmer, SL Gallant, Brian Shearer and Jay Brown are your creative team. Yeah, so looking at these, um, any pick for favourite cover? Favourite cover. So, yeah, I think out of them, I would probably go for the uh, John Royal variant on 245, which is Major Blood, uh, sort of spotlight and uh, looking very much like Dick Dastardly. Yep. same no I'm going the same I, I think you've nailed the Dick Dastardly reference there he kind of looks a bit maniacal a bit kind of clownish uh, but still pretty badass at the same time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I don't I, it's sort of like just a real spotlight on the on the character sort of properly showing off um, you know his whole uniform and, and you know it's uh, I, I don't know if he's had a solo cover before but um yeah he's a he's a is it's a great design so it's uh yep. it's love lovely to sort of yeah, yeah have a have him have a bit of a time in the in the sun to shine there i think maybe issue could be getting it wrong maybe issue 106 where he's got his sniper oh, rifle yeah, yeah, with yeah, snake yeah. eyes bang you're, right. you're dead or something like that's that. right yeah yeah but that, i think that's quite quite close, close up, up you, yeah, don't, exactly. you don't get to see his whole uh whole ensemble yeah, that's my favourite one as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Touching on the other covers, we got two four four is is SL Gallant, sort of a iconic two ninja cover. Two four five, we've got Dawn versus a couple of red ninjas on the uh, on the ride um, in the uh, amusement park, and uh, the other royal is Serpentor and Zarana, and we've also got an interesting variant from. Uh, uh, on 245, the Yesteryear comics variants from yes. Miguel Mercado of uh, The Baroness. And I think that's uh, the start of a run of about four or so uh, covers okay. from him. Um, and while I haven't given it my main pick, um, his his style is, is sort of very painterly, very, very nice. Yes. Um, yeah, worth uh, worth checking out. And I look yeah. forward to seeing uh, the rest of his in, in the run as well. Yeah, we'll post those up on socials as always. But um, we need to dig into the inside, so let's find out. Last time on A Real American Hero. Granny Demon has taken the troubled Dawn Moreno to Japan to further her ninja training and help the young girl to better cope with the dark memories of the original Snake Eyes, which possesses Dawn's fragile mind. Meanwhile, in Trucio Abysmia, Leatherneck Airborne Longshot and Rock and Roll battle alongside US Ambassador and former US Marine McCrory, his bodyguards and local allies in order to escape the besieged US Embassy. A raging gunfight throughout the buildings and street ensues, and the team is finally able to escape the urban warfare hell zone, but only after Ambassador McCrory sacrifices his own life in a fiery inferno to stop their determined pursuers. Yep, good recap of last issues. But uh, we're here to talk about these issues, and let's get into what's happening. Plot breakdown. So we start in the pit with Airborne Leatherneck, Rock and Roll, getting some chow following their last mission, and they bump into the new Joe, uh, Naif Nasir, codename Mongoose, the new Arabic language specialist. Yep, and also in the Sierras, some troublemakers on quad bikes come across Snake Eye's cabin and start vandalising it only to be interrupted by Timber, growling at them. Over in Darklonia, an observation post has been set up to observe the Revanche Superbat Factory by a team consisting of Big Ben, Ambush, Sightline and Bombstrike. They've organised a recon expedition, Bombstrike looks to slip in through the fence while Big Ben toes 
poses as a financial wonk. The remaining Joe team poses techs inspecting gas and electrical conduits. Bombstrike meets a kid, Milo, who warns her about the security measures at the fence and offers help getting inside via a storm drain. Bombstrike and Milo meet up with Sightline and ambush inside and set off an explosion as a distraction for Big Ben to upload a Trojan horse onto the factory operating system. The team then sets about attaching microcams to every bat in the warehouse, but they're left trapped inside when the blast doors seal them in. Oh, exciting stuff. Over in Springfield, as the building site for the new Springfield Community Centre starts going up, Destro and Baroness are berating Cobra Commander for not taking Zartan's betrayal seriously and also warning him that the duplicitous Dr Venom might be looking to take revenge on Cobra Commander. And in the basement, Venom is developing the brainwave scanner to implant Snake Eyes memories into a blue ninja bat. Snake Eyes files were corrupted, though, and a complete set of memories for Storm Shadow were intact, so they are used. Later, over a game of Crazy Golf, Cobra Commander, Baroness and Destro discuss a plan to erase Venom from Mindbender's mind once he has outlived his usefulness. Meanwhile, over in the Jersey Meadowlands, Cobra Aspid helicopters loaded with night creepers, night vipers and bats attack Zartan, but they are fooled by a holographic trap and are blown up. Oh dear. Um, In an amusement ride in Tokyo, Dawn tries on a new set of fighting togs and later takes part in a ninja show with some fancy ninja star tricks. A mysterious man has seen them, noting, we must make our move immediately. And later, Dawn, Granny and the ninja performers are alerted to red ninja intruders converging on the spook ride. We're left with a cliffhanger as a red ninja cries, wrinkle out every Arashikage and kill them all. Hmm. There you go. We'll Uh, find out if they're wrinkled out and killed next week, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, so that is your basic uh, plot summaries. So let's dig into some of these plots right now. Talking points. Okay, anything, you know, jumping off the page. I guess we could probably start straight at the beginning of 244, where they they introduced Mongoose. Where was he last issue? (laughs) Well, uh... That, that was the thing is is uh, S Jubs over on the board said what you know why why have they introduced this guy why they, they could they could have had uh, they could have had uh, Dusty on the mission as their uh, Arabic specialist because uh, over on his V two file card um, they uh, you know he's listed as as being a proficient Arabic speaker but they didn't have Dusty and they didn't have Mongoose. Because, no prize time, uh, they were coming back from a different mission which did not require a Arabic uh, specialist. Uh, They were flying over an Arabic-speaking country en route back home and that was when they got the call to insert themselves uh, and rescue the Ambo, uh, regardless of of not being quite as prepared for it as they might otherwise have been. Yeah, Yeah. good shout. Give them a no prize. Um, (laughs) Also, rock and roll racist or not? <laughs> what's he said? What's, what's uh, uh... He's chatting to the guy and he says, your English is very good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's, I don't know. It's like, well, I, I, I'm, like, I'm, well I'm American. I'm, I'm American. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was so born, in, du- born in Dearborn. Gone massively down in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, there's a bit more sort of uh, casual racism and uh, political stuff uh, coming up anyway which we'll discuss and, so. and spe- speaking of casual racism um, again S-Jubs called out the fact that um, uh, Airborne here is looking very uh, white and, and not really looking especially like um, a uh, uh, yeah, 
a Native American in yeah. these uh, settings. Well, let's uh, let's stay on this uh, controversial theme then, because the next few pages have these these guys trashing up uh, Snake Eyes Cabin, like we mentioned, and. Um, this I wasn't aware of it at the time, but this caused quite a bit of a scene and stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest um, when the issue came out over on the message boards and between some unhappy people and editor. Was it Tom Waltz was the editor of IDW at the time? I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, so give, give us know. kind of the cliff notes. Give us the the reader's digest on this. Well, we've we've got we've got a couple of uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, rough ruffian locals there. One of them's got an NRA cap, and one of them's got a, a striking red cap uh, out there. And uh, you know, they're they're sort of making making uh, statements along the lines of "It's folks like, oh yeah, it's folks like us who made this country great." And uh, one of them ends up carving Trump onto the uh, the, the cabin, yeah. and um, you know, interest this, you know. It, it's a fairly overt kind of political illusion uh, there, and it also comes on the on the back of the previous scene, which is about uh, having, uh, I guess, inclusion of uh, you know diversity onto yeah. the uh, onto the team as well. In Larry's of Larry's their, kind of just, just kind new... of pointed to factly saying that you know these redneck hick Republican chumps, uh, Trump supporters are you know. <laughs> up to no good and and disrespecting uh, yeah. you know veterans um you know smashing up uh uh you know the the house of of the real american hero really yeah. uh, being being snake eyes's uh, uh cabin so so yeah waltz uh replied to it and uh, sort of caught the blame uh in terms of the controversy that he he said that sl gallant's uh sort of um, art there with the Trump graffiti was uh, an inside gag, which he should have uh, edited out prior to going to to uh, print. And he said that actually, when he reviewed the issue with Larry, that uh, that he said to to him that uh, while uh, you know, regardless of the political opinions being stated or the leanings that that the real American hero book wasn't necessarily the place to to, to have them. So uh, yeah, in the in the end, he sort of uh, cops to it and uh, and said that yeah, sort of apologised for for making it quite so uh, avert. Yep. Uh, and and this this was on the same uh, same week actually as as uh, the uh, Aubrey Citizen GI Joe controversy, where where he had a, the the author of that book yep. um, had made some. Uh, political kind of statements which uh, led to uh, a lack of promotion of his book and then the subsequent cancellation of of that book Scarlet Strike Force I think only three issues into it if I remember correctly so uh, yeah Audrey Citizen somewhat thrown under the bus by IDW there and interestingly enough I don't know if it's entirely connected but um, uh, S.L. Gallant, I believe this was his, you know, these two issues were his last on on the book, and right. and he did he hasn't really um, uh, returned to it since. So no. whether that's coincidence or uh, uh, sort of retribution for for that Trump graffiti, who's yeah. to say? I, I obviously don't live in the U.S. I um, I don't particularly take any offense to any of this stuff that's in this book or even if it was going the other way and there was you know um, allusions to theoretical 
democratic um, uh, supporters doing air quotes wrong things like that I mean that wouldn't bother me either it's just it's just a comic book man it's just it's just words and pictures I mean nothing <laughs> to get I don't know nothing to get ruffled about it takes a lot to offend me to be honest but um yeah, yeah, if you're going to take offence, take offence with what these chumps are doing. You know, yeah. the you know carving carving up uh, a veteran's house and and so on. Yeah. You know that that's a story. Roll 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 with it. I yeah. guess I guess you know what you could say is that that scene um, isn't referred to uh, again, at least in in these two issues. So it doesn't no. seem to serve any purpose other than making other than making a somewhat of a a political statement yeah so in that regard i think larry's probably to blame from writing the scene in the first place if it doesn't connect to any sort of storylines then fair enough but the actual content of it meh whatever um anyway that's done let's move on past that the dark lonia stuff we get so we've had mongoose we've got another new joe from not sightline is he new uh, yep, so I believe that is the first appearance of Sightline, and so he's got an interesting background. So he was came packaged in the Silent Strike uh, set for the 50th anniversary line in 2015, so right. just a couple of years earlier to, to this, and it was a character created posthumously in honour of a well-known, respected G.I. Joe fan called uh, Gary Gogglesheads. Um, so they've taken his uh, his you know real life name I think as uh, as the file uh, name for for the for the character, um, and I guess yeah it's a it's a way of uh, I guess sort of you know doing doing some you know paying paying respects to 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 that to, to Gary and by by including uh, the the character in the pages of the the comic, um, sort of no no special reason I think otherwise for for using sightline rather than necessarily uh any other well-established uh what is he figure. is he a spotter then is he yeah he's a, he's like a yeah a, sp- a spotter for for I guess um you know a bomb strike yeah. um yeah there's a bit of a there's a bit of a fudge here isn't there actually um, uh, which one is that bomb strike says it's a perfect op for us and the sightline says that's a rog ambush Okay. <laughs> so she's he's calling a uh, bomb strike okay. ambush. But anyway, yeah, I'm um, sure he, I'm sure he could tell the difference between the two of them. Yeah, and one thing I liked about this team is when they go into their civilian identities, it's another bloody recon mission into Darklonia. It's like they're just always doing recon, forever doing recon. Where's their affirmative <laughs> action, Joe's? Come on, this yeah. is. Yeah, I said it before. The, the book is losing me rapidly. You know, if it wasn't for doing this pod, I would stop reading this book. I'll be honest. Um, so, I don't know, just more recon missions anyway. Yeah, more recon. Um, they f- can find out a bit more about the bats that they hadn't found out on the previous five or so yeah, recon yeah. missions. Because I thought when they were going in, I thought they were going in to actually do something and then they'd mention our recon. But um, I'll tell you one bit I do like is, who is it there? Is that Big Ben? And when he goes into civilian identity, he's getting dressed up, he looks a lot like Lee Majors. And that's no right. coincidence because <laughs> Sel Galan obviously drew the G.I. Joe six million dollar man crossover miniseries. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, not long not long after this. I mean he who knows he, he might yeah, have been ready to already... to do that series and then yeah. was hoping to jump back onto the main G.I. Joe book, but obviously yeah. as we know, never never came back on. But um yeah, so we see there's other panels in here where again he's looking very Lee Majors ish, which is uh, quite cool, I quite like that. Okay. Interesting. And and yeah, bomb uh uh, Big Ben uh, 
he's checked for his face facial detection to see if they're it's on the the Cobra database of Geo Joe yep. agents. And uh, while they've been using various spoofing things to try and defeat it, the reason that Big Ben is able to actually defeat their their facial recognition is because he's on the SAS, and SAS security <laughs> is clearly much better than GI Joe security. Yes, yes, <laughs> where they game, can Joe's. they yeah. can spot they can spot Cutter, uh, you know, underwater from a distance of fifty meters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's stay with this dark lonia stuff. Uh, Milo, is this the kid that was on Cobra Island? Uh, no, no. I have no idea. Do, do you remember? Who you're talking about? There was a kid that helped that helped the, them when they were on you, Cobra. I'm sure there was. Are you talking about Captain Min? Captain Min. I thought he had a kid with him. Maybe he didn't have a kid with him. Maybe I'm just making up a kid. No, I mean there was Tyrone on uh, there for a bit. Oh yeah, yeah maybe I'll different think kids. All right, ignore different all that. Age. Right, we'll leave it in just to show Chief's <laughs> ineptness. But um, Milo, this is a new character, is it? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay. Um, and yeah, I spy a Milo lie segment. Um, the uh, the look of Milo seems to be entirely based on uh, the main character from the film, Son of Rambo, which is a 2007 film by Garth Jennings. Okay. Yeah, so have a have a little Google. All right, yep, yep. Um, well, while of, we're on it then, uh, spot anything else? I spy with my little eye. Uh, why not? So uh, c- there was one thing I missed last week, which I feel like I have to, to call out, which um, S-Jubs uh, point, pointed out that I'd missed. So back in issue 243, there was this insurgent, uh, Akbar, who shouted, It was a trap! <laughs> uh, yes. One of my so, favourites. It's a trap. Um, so, so yeah, nice little Star Wars uh, reference to it. And he also co- uh, corrected me on the fact that I think I got my terminology mixed up about a practical jeep, which is the uh, terminology that uh, Larry used in the comic versus yep. a technical vehicle, which is uh, the terminology used in the film I was talking about, 13 okay, Hours. Got it, got it. Um yeah, both basically meaning the same thing in the yes. context used, but um, yeah, actually different different lingo being used. Um, I noticed that on the building site for the new Springfield Community Centre, uh, there was uh, a skip which said uh, Window Vipers Brothers Construction Co. Yep. Which uh, I know you're not so much into the cartoon, but but that's a callback to the cartoon cartoon episode the viper is coming okay. uh, where it's a, a build up of this mysterious phone calls where he's sort of saying i am the viper i will be coming in one day and then at the end of it the payoff is this guy comes along with a bucket with a bucket and he says i'm the white viper i've come to vipe your windows <laughs> right okay <laughs> so there we go very good very good uh for the se- second or maybe even third pod running we've had a typo on the character names so uh, here we've had uh, night crawlers instead of night creepers. Yep. Um, we had a mention uh, of this Ellen Bogdan, who's the designer of Dawn's yeah. costume, and I think that must relate to something. Um, my Google foo-, foo gets me closest to Eric Ellen Bogdan, um, who was the CEO and president of Marvel Enterprises back in 1998 when they were having somewhat of a tumultuous time uh, sort of hovering around bankruptcy. Okay. Um, so, um, and I think Larry probably would have been still working 
on Wolverine back then, I right. think. Um, so could, could well be that that uh, that's the what the uh, the reference to, uh, unless it's an entirely uh, different person. But I yeah. think that's a little call out there to 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 somebody that uh, Larry knows in the in uh, in the world of comics and Joe somewhere. Okay. Um, so uh, another one here was uh, uh, Granny Demon said to Dawn that it's better to be Oroshiri than Kawaii. So that is, it's better to be scary than cute. Right. Uh, that's a nice Japanese there. Um, there was, uh, as always with these these sort of scenes, uh, over at the crazy golf course, uh, Shannon can't help himself from from putting in some some fun touches there and there was a nice little uh, dr mindbender head um as one of the obstacles on the crazy golf course yep, which yep. was where do you uh, stand on this um you know we've seen them bowling we've seen them <laughs> oh, yes. crazy golf where's it going next you think? where's it next they're gonna go for a bit of a uh, uh yeah laser tag or uh yeah. or, mind you the joes were doing that not that long ago, <laughs> yeah, they'll be doing something. But um, I'm looking yeah. to see. And what I was going to say, oh, paintball. They, they have done paintball. Leaving the book, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. So who knows? Yeah, they're, you know, what else can they be doing? Yeah, be a little, uh, little scene of uh, them having a discussion about their next operation while they're doing a bungee jump, perhaps. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Very good, very good. Um, Dark, the Darklonia stuff kind of wraps up. They've they've infiltrated. They're doing a lot more than recon because they actually mm. blow up the base. Well, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty much. And then they uh, the, the sightlines original suggestion was that they just nuked the base from space, kind of uh, thing, wasn't it? So yeah, um, it it. it why not? <laughs> Why not just blow it up? They know they're up to no good. Um, what what uh, what more are they going to find out from their their recon? But um, yeah. yeah, ends up with some some explosions and uh, them being uh, trapped in trapped inside. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's have a look. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to go to Springfield and all that stuff, or should we do the Tokyo? Uh, okay, let's. Should we talk about Springfield? So what's yep. uh, what's going on with the Cobra shenanigans with? Um, uh, Doctor Venom and so yeah. on. Now then, I need to make a fool of myself here by asking a question which has probably been answered in the last few issues, but I just have not paid attention. I thought that when did Venom explain to all the hierarchy that he had co-opted Mindbender's body? I don't know that he had explicitly said it in any of the dialogue we've seen no but, but, um, see, but I, th- I thought they've he worked was it just, out yeah i'm just back in a cloned body or something like that but the the destro and cobra commander are talking about extracting the venom personality from mindbender's body but i was just trying to recall when it was when they had deduced that or it was clearly labelled in the issues that that is what is what was going on. But. I think it was just fairly transparent, you know, that Mindbender has vanished and uh, Venom has turned up right. looking very much like Mindbender but with, yeah. <laughs> with a wig yeah. and a shaved moustache. And he has now got a new bat, XR23, which he's implanted with Storm Shadow's memories. Yeah, so we got uh, another another kind of more variation yeah, variation of of, of of a body running around with a, a ninja's mind in in it yeah yeah um i don't know where do you stand on this <laughs> oh, so, you know see where it goes yeah. why not <laughs> yeah yeah 
I mean, a ninja bat. Yeah, Cobra Commander doesn't, you know, he's out there playing crazy golf. Where's his big schemes of worldwide domination gone? They, they, they seem to have been there about six months ago, but now they've kind of just dissipated. Yeah, and and with absolutely no allusions to uh, to the subjects we were talking about before, some crazy megalomaniac in charge um, who's focusing on playing golf instead of yeah. coming up with any concrete plans to improving things for his organization yeah yeah i do quite like the choppers though that he sends out to the the meadowlands with the 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 mouth on the front of them we seen those before those choppers the choppers the aspids the are they the aspids are they aspids are they okay Uh, yeah um where are we um it's the start of the in the jersey meadowlands they're doing the siege on the dreadnoughts base yeah, I think that okay. that is... I didn't know uh, they had the mouth bits on the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've always had those sort of painted on mouths. Okay. Those are, they, yeah, those are just co- the Cobra Aspid uh, helicopters. Right, okay, fine, fine. And one oil drum, you know, would have been enough with C4 explosives. They've put in about 50, 50 of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Why um, not? And quick question here as well. When... Um, the Dreadnoughts are escaping on the Thunder Machine. Zartan says he'll have to come to Dreadburg to find us. Is this the first reference of the fictional Dreadburg? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I wonder if we this gets followed up later later on. But I guess it's the implications is that there's an entire township of some form that is uh, populated by uh, Dreadnoughts. Yeah, interesting. Um, interesting, <laughs> interesting. So that... The, the conclusion of that really is that okay fine Zartan and the Dreadnoughts got away and Cobra Commander now knows it I guess because all the intel would have gone back saying this the warehouse is rigged yeah. uh, to blow fine so okay didn't particularly need that scene I guess but I get it's just tying a little bow in the whole Zartan yep. switching sides and Cobra recognizing it and yep, blah yep. blah blah but uh, it's not the first time that Cobra have been uh, fooled by um, their you know not respecting their GPS no. uh, targeting either so this time it was a, a hologram and and yep. previously it's been it's been the Joes just moving their tin hut a few meters along in the desert yeah yep. um, all right let's uh, let's talk about the dawn stuff quickly so main point here is she's gone off to do training and yeah. she has got new battle togs new togs toggy togs fan and of this yeah, look. one pe- one page splash reveal of yeah. uh, of the costume um for what it is i mean it's not a bad designed uniform is yeah, it agree. it's agree i think uh, the design is fine um elements of snake eyes in there you know the visored snake eyes so yep. the actual design you know if i don't like the character or the direction of the storyline uh, you know the design of that costume is actually pretty cool yeah pretty cool i'd say yeah yeah i wouldn't disagree um, with that. i like the the visual bit where they go through this kind of illusion room or hall where everything's upside down and back to front and all that kind of stuff that's pretty cool the confusion vestibule yeah, yeah. and they're they're <laughs> training these ninjas are training as part of a show rather than just train in their own isolated uh, training facility they're doing their training as a as show performers yeah killed two birds with one stone <laughs> it's corny <laughs> but it pays the bills <laughs> yeah. yeah interesting and like uh, you said we got this mysterious guy who's watching them from the outside i don't think that pays off until the next issue uh, I guess well the payoff is that the, the red ninjas, red ninjas attacking, turn up, so I guess that's the the 
you know the 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 action that yeah. follows his phone call tipping tipping them off i thought it was interesting that granny puts a lot of stock in dawn because she teaches her a maneuver called the tanuk masking maneuver tanuki masking mm. maneuver which she wouldn't even teach to snake eyes or storm shadow yeah. Um, and we don't as yet know what that manoeuvre is because on the next page the Red Ninjas attack and it's interrupted, uh, yeah. they try to uh, winkle, obviously not wrinkle, out every Arashikage. So we'll find out if that Tanuki masking manoeuvre um, is mentioned in further issues or whether Larry's forgotten about it already. But um, yeah, we don't really know why the Red Ninjas are attacking at this point. Well, I don't wonder if we'll get it properly explained. It's, uh, I guess, the long-lived feud between the Red Ninjas and uh, sort yeah. of the remnants of the Arashikage um, clan. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it will get somewhat explained. But yeah. um, let's I w- um, for <laughs> next, hold my breath <laughs> for, for next episode. Let's read. It's a five-part storyline coming up, Dawn of the Rashikage. Let's read it all just in case, and then after reading it, we'll decide whether we want to cover all five issues on the next pod or maybe uh, cover four and then do 250 next episode or whatever. But listeners, if you are reading along, just read all five uh, so at least you're prepared for whichever way we decide to go. Cool. But um, regarding... Yeah, go on. I was going to say, it's Nitho Diaz on art picking up next uh, next issue, isn't it? It is, yes, correct. Yeah, and yeah. so, so yeah, it's the it's the kind of the end of the of the SL Gallant, Brian Shearer, Jay Brown team that's sort of seen us through, you know, almost the best part of a hundred issues. It's yep. uh, yeah. cap it's been off a, to those guys. Yeah, what a what a run! It's it's sort of almost. Uh, you know, unseen in in modern comics that that you have an art team sort of with such uh, a, a long you know duration and, and body of of work that you know yeah. it's it's easier to, to kind of call out the the, the, the runs that that um, are of that kind of length because they're so few and you know far between that yeah. that um, you know that you've got your Eric Larson on Savage Dragon. Uh, you've got maybe Invincible by Kirkman and, and yeah. also um, Charlie Adlard on, on Walking Dead. And, you know, once you got got past them, it, you're sort of then struggling to think, who else has got such a, you know, a large body of yeah. work of unbroken issues? Yeah, you know, um, quite a lot of writers, maybe from the 80s uh, and early 90s, but not artists, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just you the know, rigors it's much... of, you know, it's become common practice, I think, amongst the big, the big publishers now that doing arcs isn't it so you'll get your your artist on he'll do a four issue arc or a six issue arc then he'll swap for another artist to do six then he'll come back on it's almost like rotating art art exactly yeah very few artists can actually cope with the that that drumbeat of producing uh, one issue a month you know on time every time yeah Um, you know can you imagine if you know if he had done this run 100 issues on batman or something you know he'd probably be the world's you know, most well-known artist or something like that. But <laughs> doing it on a book like GI Joe with such a low distribution, he probably goes under the radar of a lot of comic fans who don't read GI Joe. So yeah, absolutely. Um, caps off to those guys. Um, we haven't actually finished talking about these issues because we do need to talk about the scripting. Favorite line of dialogue. Okay, uh, any bits of dialogue that really popped out for you? So, what did I spot? It was Doctor Venom. He he does some sort of great sort of monologuing and and yeah, sort of uh, always brings a smile. So he says, 
The Joes now have an incarnation of snake eyes, but it resides in an imperfect vessel, a mere slip of a girl child. What if the skills and memories of snake eyes were impl implanted in a truly formidable entity? Something like this? Yeah. Reveal. <laughs> Reveal. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Um, I have chosen one just because I didn't know what it meant and it sounded funny and I don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> um, when when Big Ben is getting into his civvies, he says, I shall be in Mufti as a financial wonk, hoping for an investment opportunity. Just <laughs> sounded funny to me because financial wonk. Is that a real thing or not? I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that tickled me too. I don't know that, that sort of uh, word really, wonk, but I like it. I'm Googling it. <laughs> wonk. Uh, financial wonk definition, informal and somewhat derogatory, a new hire at a Wall Street trading firm. Very good. The term was popularised by the book Liar's Poker. Okay, financial wonk. I'm going to use that in everyday life. As a derogatory. Hey, you financial wonk. Um, <laughs> right, anyway, uh, we got, we'll wrap up yeah. this uh, with who was our fave? Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues. Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? The good guys are the Joes now show. Counter terrorist force, but hush, it's on the down low. Pages of this book, go have a look. We're searching for guys or gals that have the hook. The hookup being the best thing in the story Chomping up scenes, front and centre allegory And let's not forget about those cats named Cobra Sipping Don Perignon, are you sure they're sober? Brainwave Scanner is back, gonna be messing Big CC and Destro teach a lesson Talking valuable, can we talk the dreadnoughts Grape soda, chocolate donuts and then the jukebox Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues who is the MVP? Is it a culprit Joe or the enemy? Okay, MVP time. Two issues. Who are you picking? Hard to say, really. I've gone Dr. Venom just for the grand scheming and dialogue. Yep. What okay. about yourself? I'd like to say no one. Not that I hated everyone, but just I struggled like, you know, you. To, no one really stood out of doing anything of major importance um maybe maybe big ben just for his uh, lee majors wonk wonk stuff so <laughs> yeah, wonk let's go stuff. let's go with that let's go i'm going with the financial wonk lee majors um excellent yes uh we will i think even though this does lead into dawn of the arashikage it kind of did tie up the springfield stuff to a degree it did um tie up the dark lonia stuff and served as a bit of a prelude to the next arc so let, let's rank this as a two issue story um how many yojo colas are you giving it uh well i think it didn't do a huge amount it sort of wrapped up uh, the previous stuff and laid down some track for the stuff to come um but you know most most of the content there is relatively forgettable so I think I'll say five for this time. Okay, um, yeah, I think I will probably go along the same lines with the Funky Bunch there with a five. So make sure, if you are reading along, to do the next five issues in preparation in case we do cover them all next week. Uh, but right now, it's time to talk about toys. Mark talks about toys, ho ho. He talks about G.I. Joe. 
He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Okay, okay. I need to guess. And Your guesses, yeah. Guessing. I'm guessing it's going to be one of those guys on the Dark Lonia um, adventure. It is uh, Big Ben. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> Not in his financial wonk gear, I imagine. No, yeah, that, they, I don't think they released that variant. Oh, special variant. Someone make a custom of that, please. Yeah, so um, I'm sure it's already been done, you know. <laughs> um, I, I was originally thinking Sightline, but I, I don't actually have the toy and, and uh, never have... Um, and I thought actually Big Ben is 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 sort of from that original uh, you know era and yep. is uh, is much more known and iconic and I don't think has ever been covered on Toy Talk on the on the show uh, unless I have forgotten which is entirely possible as I always say. So uh, Big Ben, I think he came out in nineteen eighty one. I want to say yep, nineteen eighty one in eighty one. Sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> no, shall I start again? Yes, why not? So, Big Ben, he came out in 1991. Okay. Um, and um, sort of looking at who else came out in that year, I think it's pretty much, you know, it's it's the one of the last strong years of, of releases before it starts getting silly. So, uh, you know, within that, that, that era, you beginning to get into into some of the less um, iconic redesigns of uh, version one characters like the Cobra B- Bat version two, which, you know, definitely didn't really deliver anything on top of the version one. You know, it's got that kind of neon orange and green rather than the, the you know, cool V1 sort of slightly more real- realistic look to it. Um, you did have... Uh, Low Light version three, Mercer version two, Red Star, um, you know, so so a few uh, Crimson Guard Immortal, um, so you know, some still quite cool figures released in 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 that in that year, um, but yeah, sort of beginning to get into the era of the slightly sillier um, neon uh, de- designs. Um, so I don't actually think that I had this figure when it first uh, came out, but. Uh, imagine that i did buy it somewhere along the line but after the time that i'd kind of stopped properly playing with them i, I think um I d- i'm imagining you you never had this uh, no i've never, never seen it never actually seen the figure ben. yeah ironically both of us not having this one which i think is the main brick character in the uh, uh gi joe uh verse but uh, yeah. there we go um so he is David J. Bennett. He's a staff sergeant from Burford, England, with a primary speciality of infantry and secondary speciality of subversive operations. He's on a second assignment in temporary exchange program from 22 SAS. So, uh, yeah, interestingly, they're saying that he's on you know a temporary exchange there to GI Joe rather than necessarily being a, a permanent uh, member. Uh, yeah, and they allude to in, in the you know in the comic itself the fact that he's SAS and, and therefore is sort of ultra secret in terms of not having any any records uh, on, yep. the, on the system um so let's read some of the blurb the british SAS um is roughly the equivalent of the american special forces maintains an equally rigorous standard for its recruits 
The combat records of the SAS personnel are classified, but it is assumed that Big Ben participated in the initial recon operations in the Falklands campaigns and in various covert operations. He received his initial training at Bradbury Lines Barracks in Hereford and was on the cadre of the NATO LRRP school in West Germany, being the long-range recon patrol. To qualify for the SAS, a candidate trooper must complete the long drag, which is a forced march over 30 miles through marshes and rough hilly terrain, measuring 50 sorry carrying 50 pounds of equipment the march must be completed in less than 20 hours and is a grueling test of endurance and land navigation big ben completed his march in 12 hours and had a bit of supper and volunteered to go back and help search for candidates who got lost in the moors strong um and for yeah for the you know people in the uk i think the sas is somewhat of a kind of myth mythical feeling to it that um at school there was always somebody who claimed to have like a, a dad or an uncle in the SAS and they were the you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. hardest person in the, in the country and uh, we had uh, the sort of the hostage siege uh, in the embassy uh, um, in, in England which uh, made a big impression for, for people uh, uh, who, were, who were there at the uh, you know in, in that in that era and actually for action force as well we had the um, SAS sub team as, as well so um yeah SAS being quite a big iconic thing really for for people on this side of uh of the the pond and sort of yeah almost a mythological level of uh prowess almost like a sort of ninja levels of uh, army abilities um and the design of uh, the character itself yes yeah, it's, it's quite a cool uh look to him he's sort of uh got this uh guess you'd call it a cap would you with the kind of the flaps uh yeah, the, uh, that's, sort of that's the only part of the head. design of the character i don't like so i like the color scheme of you know the khaki pants the the dark jacket the ammo belts the cuffs on the jacket are nice black gloves is a nice touch i don't think we see enough black gloves in GOJ figures uh boots look cool face load of detail on the face really nice it's just that hat it's just the white i would like a bit more weathering on the white mm. or something it's just too stark kind of popping out a little bit too much for me yeah i can i can get that and yeah maybe maybe gray to it instead it's sort of yeah not not so stealthy having the white pop as well um and he's got yeah the camo on his on his face which um if if applied in exactly the right way will uh you know spoof any facial recognition as we yep. found out from yep. these uh these issues he comes with a, a great big machine gun and bipod and uh, a cool feature as well is that he comes with a uh, grenade pouch with uh, grenades in there and I imagine those grenades being something that could very easily get uh, lost at the size they are yeah yep. um, but but yeah uh, there we go Big Ben uh, quite uh, quite a, uh, a popular figure and a, one of those figures where where um, less well known less well used but uh, still has a lot of uh, f- uh, yeah Still a big favourite with a lot of, uh, of fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good guy. Uh, even if he's written, you know, quite poorly generally by Larry, especially in the early issues, in terms of his, his a bit uh, shonky. God uh, blimey, Mary Poppins, we're going to get these cobras yeah, and yeah, no mistake. Yeah, but, um, there you go, there you go. Uh, he's not, and not every Brit is Dick Van Dyke, American comic writers. Um, <laughs> take notice. But there you go, more Toy Talk next week. But we've got to segue into this little ditty. 
The Star Wars Galaxy sure has a lot of playgrounds. Playgrounds. Jedi Knights, Evil Sith, Bounty Hunters, all doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. But there's a guy so cool. The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Now expand your mind and be a Star Wars historian. Historian. It's 10 Minute Mando. He's chasing a star. It's 10 Minute Mando. He loves Beskar. It's 10 Minute Mando. In a galaxy far, far away. That's right. 10 Minute Mando is back on the clock already. We are going to be discussing season two, episode one. Has the chief watched it? Yes, he has. Have you watched it? Bing, bing, bing. Yeah, watched it Friday. Yeah, the day of release. I think I watched it. I watched it something like at 8 a.m. Friday morning. Oh, very good. When you were messaging me, it sounded like you might be trying to uh, stay up (laughs) or get up at a ridiculous hour. No, so I, I. was speaking to Ben about this and I, I was like um, you know I, I, first season was, was okay I, I'm going to watch the second one but I'm not hyper pumped he was literally climbing the walls couldn't sleep was desperate to watch this um, and I didn't feel the same but and if you told me you can never watch The Mandalorian I'd be like nah okay fine wouldn't necessarily bother me and he couldn't get that he was like mad at me for not being <laughs> super not pumped about it but having the same um, enthusiasm mm. yeah anyway um so what did we think it uh it's quite a long one it was like 53 minutes or 55 minutes so they've started out long and okay right i don't know it i came away thinking meh i thought visually seeing the dune sea the tuscan raiders you know i like that kind of saloon feel at the beginning visually i thought it was fantastic seeing the crate dragon um although i guess budget didn't permit them to have have it they did all we saw it mainly was it burrowing underground we didn't ever see the whole thing in one piece which was a bit annoying um, well i mean when it came out of the ground uh, towards the end of the the episode and it was attacking and you know flying up we, we did get to see a, a big chunk of it yeah yeah i suppose but i mean yeah so visually very good however it felt like it was just another one of these monster of the week episodes that pretty much progressed the storyline zero um and the just the, the scripting was horrendous i was just cringing at pretty much everything anyone was oh, saying crumbs. yeah scripted by scripted and directed by john favreau this one oh was it yeah, yeah. Okay, well, get that guy away from the script, please. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just I came away feeling more disappointed than 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 hyper pumped. Okay, yeah. I mean, it was a kind of bit of a one and done, and the, the sort of the oddity for me, I think, was the the sort of premise really that that to to be able he's been you know quested to get the uh, the child back to um its own people yeah but but to do that he had to he has to go on a sub quest which yes. is to seek out all of the mandalorians across the universe yeah. so that they can then help him yeah nailed um, it there like like you, you know you've pretty much done it there why is he not you know going to his first source but you know shonk is video game storytelling so he's gone to somewhere and he's like i need to find the mandalorians because they will guide me on how to get this kid back so it's very much like I say, video game. Go here, do this, get that. To then well, be able to go there and unlock that door. To then go there and disarm mm. this trap. It's well, it's kind of 
point by point roadmap rather than if it just feels like there would be a quicker better way for him to get this kid back rather than like you say having to track down all these mandalorians yeah and it's interesting you sort of make that video game analogy because actually in the video game uh, star wars knights of the old republic from 2003 oh that was a great game a quest on tatooine which is the hunt for the crate dragon and many details from the episode, the exclo- explosives, the bantha for bait, uh, the pearl that they get at the end of it is yeah. uh, a reference to that uh, quest. Oh, wow. And also, uh, there's fo- the, the fight versus the crate dragon is similar to the video game Star Wars Bounty Hunter from 2002, right. where you play as Jango Fett in a battle against a crate dragon on Tatooine. Ah. Um, I've not played either of those myself, but uh, in- interesting that, that this isn't completely new ground to, uh, to the um, franchise. Interesting, interesting. That's good. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, I like. I pretty much like him in anything he's in. Uh, he was yeah. really cool as the marshal. Well, yeah, he's he's good, and he's he's. I think he's fixed his teeth in recent years, so he's got like that sort of big white smile. Yes, but yes. Um, he's he's playing the marshal, and and I think um, the uh, the the team on the Mandalorian, Favreau and Co. They like to sort of pepper these like little Easter eggs in in the, the way that they cast um, the piece, so that um, you know people can can find these Easter eggs if. Uh, you know, if they know about them or want to find them, but but if if they're not aware of them, it doesn't really matter. So, um, Oliphant uh, was uh, uh, has a big background as playing marshals. So he's uh, in Deadwood. Um, he plays yeah, a, uh, a marshal there, and in uh, well, the sheriff rather, and in Justified, he also plays uh, a, a marshal there as as well. And funnily enough, the uh, the bartender in uh, Mando in this episode. Yeah, I recognised even under all that prosthetics, I recognised him either his voice or his face. Where? Who's he? Yeah, he's he's W. L. Brown. He appeared together uh, with Oliphant on uh, the HBO series Deadwood, where Oliphant was Sheriff Bullock and Brown was the bartender of the Gem Saloon. So the same dynamic of, of uh, the the sheriff and bartender. Right. right. So a nice little uh, Easter egg there to to be had. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've just googled him. No, don't recognise him. Okay, but, fair but, enough. Yeah, I've, I've got Deadwood box set, so I need to. I never actually finished it, so I do need to revisit that. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It, like the storytelling, uh, you know, I was chatting to S Jobs about this as well, and he was like, "Well, the Mando's like, give me that armor, or I'll kill you and take it." And then a few <laughs> minutes later, he's like. Uh, well, help me kill this crate dragon. I'll give it to you. And he's like, "All right, yeah, fine. I'll do that instead." Yeah, yeah. would have been easier just to kill him. Maybe, yeah, but, yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I don't but know. It's, I think that the initially, I might be misremembering this, but I think initially Mando does assume that it's another fellow Mandalorian, and it's when he orders the drink and they go down to to sit, and yeah. you, and I'm thinking, well you know they've got drinks how are they going to deal with this situation with it yes. with their their helmets and it's when he takes off the helmet he goes right okay this is a guy who's uh who's yeah. not respecting the uh, mandalorian tradition yeah. of keeping your helmet on and at the end i didn't recognize him as who's the actor dude i didn't recognize that that as supposedly being boba fett i assume then at the yeah end. that's Tamura morrison so yeah the conclusion that you're meant to to have there is that this is the same actor who played Django fett and boba fett was Django fett's um, yeah. clone so yeah therefore you would conclude that that this is the armorless uh, boba fett yeah 
So Boba Fett was no, Boba Fett wasn't a clone, was he? Uh, he was a clone of Jango Fett. I but thought he was, was aged. I thought he naturally. was just his real kid, not a clone. No, he was he was a he was a clone of uh, Jango Fett. But unlike the the clones in the clone army, they were all um, rapidly aged. Right. Um, whereas this was a a natural clone who was um, uh, brought up from birth as a uh, a son, and That's therefore a bit doesn't weird, have the it? same like, you know, conditioning. Like <laughs> having a mini you as I don't know, weird. Yeah, why not have the perfect son yourself? You know, yeah. if, if you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, he he obviously escaped the Sarlacc pit and is I don't know why he couldn't retrieve his armor or why he so, maybe he sold it to Jowers because he I don't know needed money or something I don't know anyway. But um, he will obviously be making a reappearance and just tells us they're going to go back to Tatooine. Do you think? Because obviously now Mando has exited Tatooine, so either either Boba Fett's going to follow him or. Mm. Mando's going to go back to Tatooine yet again. Yeah, hard to say. Um, one of those two. Either he's, you know, it might be the the Boba. Fett, uh, you, you, you say Boba Fett, don't you? I say Boba Fett. Yeah, Bo- Boba Fett might might continue to uh, to sort of just be that lurking presence over the next few issues, sort of on their tail. And uh, I would imagine maybe it builds up to the big conclusion of uh, of them sort of catching up in the the last episode of the series yes um would be my guess but but uh who knows okay all right um, um anything else you want to uh, discuss about this one yeah i mean this this episode was rife with all sorts of uh sort of um little details and and easter eggs and and whatnot there was um the the boba F- boba fett <laughs> rocket launcher backpack being used oh, in yes. uh, in anger and on screen i think for the first time you know that the 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 very first version of the figure had this um flick uh um kind of missile no switch missile thing that that was on it um which was uh recalled due to kind of safety fears that kids would be shooting it into their eyes and and so the most of the regular versions of the toys then had just the molded figure so um molded missile so it was a it's a very kind of uh desirable and expensive version of the figure that has this this launchable rocket so uh, fun to see that in uh in action um we had uh the tuscan raiders uh uh, being in a straight line, leaving a single set of footprints, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just numbers. Uh, hide, concealing the numbers. Yeah, uh, at the crate dragon, the noise that it made when it was roaring was apparently the same noise that Obi Wan Kenobi uses to scare off the Tusken Raiders in order to save Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I, I that knew that already. Actually, lovely little, uh, yeah, lovely little sort of. Oh, what they use the same soundbite? You mean? Um, or the same noise. I don't oh, know if it was okay. exactly the same sound bout, sign bout, but but that that then makes then makes a logic then as to what that noise is that that Obi Wan was was making and why oh, that, the Tusken Raiders would yeah, be I so scared. Was, I thought that was common knowledge for about the last thirty years. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe it just eluded me. Right. Um, so uh, what else did we have? We had uh, Cobb Cobb Vanth, who's the marshal, yep. and he's not actually a brand new character. He's he was first introduced in Chuck Wendig's 2015 Star Wars novel Aftermath, right. in which he was a sheriff on Tatooine. So okay. uh, yeah, not afraid to to delve into the uh, exta- expanded universe. There is uh, is interesting. Yep. And apparently, as well, the speeder that uh, the marshal uses looks to be made of uh, one of the engines from Anakin's pod racer. Right. So, uh, recycled part again from uh, the the law. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's uh, uh, yeah. I 
<laughs> I have fun look, looking at the detail of these things and trying to see see what I can spot. So uh, yeah, yeah, as well as the the actual story itself. Yep. All right, very good. Uh, Mando season two, episode two next week. Will Mandalorian actually get back doing what he's supposed to be doing? We'll find out. Um, right, uh, good stuff. We will finish out the show with um, the question. Okay, dokey, a pig and a pokey. So. <laughs> I came up with a song for this and I've forgotten what it was going to be. Oh, yeah, this is it. We asked you a question like we always do. Will the answers be good or will they smell like poo? Hopefully, oh, good. Harsh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, go on. What was the question? The last, last uh, time we discussed uh, what your favourite uh, unknown characters were the, the B-listers, the C-listers, the D-listers um, and so this week we decided to flip reverse it and ask you what are the really well-known characters, uh, the A-listers in the G.I. Joe world but that you just can't stand um, so yeah we've gone in there a little bit negative looking for the bad but um, why not um, so let's let's sort of jump to some of the friends of the show what they had to, to say so uh, S-Jubs came in with Footloose okay, and uh, his objection to Footloose seemed to be around the, the detail there in the file card the fact that he seems to have sort of sleepwalk into to being a, a, a you know a, on the G.I. Joe team rather than someone that has really sort of dedicated himself to a real sort of specialised uh, uh, you know career of being the best of the best yeah yep. um, Chris Diagnostic AT McLeod said, "I love them all." So yeah, that was um, predictable. <laughs> but I said, if the brainwave scanner was a, a character in its own right, then uh, maybe maybe he'd have one to pick. Yes, yeah. There. I did have a file card, so. <laughs> and uh, Mate Mylar came up with Quick Kick. He said, "No shirt, no shoes. I'm not into use." <laughs> um. Yeah, and so, uh, any I think Duke appeared quite a lot from the general populace. Yeah, I was going to say any guesses or, or remembrances of, of what the most popular ones would be. So there was two uh, two re- real leaders in terms of the uh, the responses of, of uh, from the people across the socials. So Duke was was one of them for sure. Who would who do you think would be the number two? Could it possibly be Snake Eyes? And Snake Eyes being the second. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. And if I've got my votes correctly, there's only one vote uh, sort of between them, um, with Snake Eyes having nine and Duke having eight. So uh, very, very close uh, battle there as to being the uh, least favourite. I guess Snake Eyes would probably suffer from oversaturation. Yeah, for Um, sure. And Duke, I don't know, what people just didn't buy into him, I guess. Yeah, so I think Duke. Um, there, there's a couple of different angro- angles. I think there, it's kind of that that perfect um, whiter than white um, character who you know can do no uh, no wrong. They're, they're sort of particularly in the way that he's characterised in the Sumbo cartoons. Um, there's the fact that he's got that giant um, grin on his V1 toy, yeah. <laughs> which is slightly out of kilter with um, the rest of uh, the the line. Um, and I, I could see that that would rub people up the the, the wrong way, and there and there was another chap who even said that you know he just seems to be a bit too bit too hard on the the team, just a bit too much of a tough sergeant. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Snake Eyes being the sort of the saturation, the fact that he, he seems to have a, you know, get out of jail free card in terms of being a ninja and being able to, to do absolutely uh, anything. And also the, the, the sort of the concentration on the whole uh, ninja world as a result of Snake Eyes and that uh, that little ninja dojo soap opera distracting from uh, the, the, you know, what should maybe be the, the thrust of the book, yeah. which is a kind of more military uh, team versus terrorists hellbent on uh, conquering the world yeah i get that i get that um what about yourself anyone anyone that you don't particularly shine towards yeah i don't know actually despite reading all of these answers and, and i was coming up with the question myself i it would be hard to say actually what my own pick would be mm, I guess I never really gelled with Sergeant Slaughter, which it was a, a pick. Yeah. Um, so, let's say that. Okay. Um, I'm I'm struggling to, you know, pick anyone that I was like, yeah, now let's get less of this person in or whatever like that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably the same as probably same as you that you know, no one really stands out. I don't think. Um, maybe like. Scarlet when she was in the Ninja Force stuff, just I don't know, just mm, that's yeah. a specific iteration of the character. But yeah, on yeah, the whole, I, I pretty I'd much like Scarlet. That. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bypass that one. But um, we do. Thanks. thanks for all the responses as always. Um, keep them shall, coming, and that's all yeah. good. Uh, shall question, I call out a couple? Shall I call out a couple of the the favourites yeah, uh, of the other answers? So. Uh, let's let's not cover all of the uh, responses. You know, check out the so- socials for all of those great responses. And thanks for everyone for for you know for giving your take. I'll just call out a couple of the ones that that uh, made me smile. So, David uh, said Red Ninjas. So he said, uh, yeah, years of ninja training, but they and they appear in the dozens as cannon fodder. You know where are they all coming from? You know if you've been training as a red ninja for all of these these years, you turn up to your first battle against Snake Eyes and a, a wiped out seems somewhat uh, unfortunate. I liked um, I liked someone calling out Blowtorch and just his colour scheme, and they said, uh, was he supposed to be camouflaged uh, because he was surrounded by fire? <laughs> and uh, Darren um, last week he uh, he's called out as one of his sea uh, list favourites as Voltar, which we forgot to mention. Um, so he's getting a shout out this week, but he's not going to be uh, so happy with the fact that someone says it's their most disliked figure because oh this is an interesting one. So it's Murky on Twitter. He says that Voltar means rape in Norwegian. So when me and my friends were playing with Voltar in the living room and said the name, my parents would look over in a horror. Oh dear. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, yeah, those, those were a few of the call-outs, but uh, thanks to everybody who uh, who's had yep. their say. Yeah, I'm going to have a think about that. I'm going to have a hard think and see if next week if I can come up with a character that I don't particularly enjoy or like. But um, uh question for you, the listeners, for next week is... And I've forgotten it already. What was it? <laughs> it's comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the question for the listeners for next week is, we're going to go a bit comic-centric, so you may well be reading this G.I. Joe a run along with us. You may not be. You may have dropped it, or just like listening to the Chief Dog and the Funky Bunch talk nonsense. But what other comic books are people reading out there? You know, who's where, where are you giving your money to? Marvel, DC, Image, some other independents, IDW, Boom, etc., Dark Horse. What, what books are you reading on a monthly basis, or... 
well, trades are you waiting to get collected? Are there any gems? Tell us your top two, top two books that you're currently, comics that you're currently reading. Um, yeah, and if, if you're not reading any current books, tell us what uh, back issues or what old stuff you're reading. So uh, give us your top two. We'll uh, collate the information. I say we will, Mark will. <laughs> uh, and then we'll read out the best ones next week and maybe give us some pointers and tips about what we should be reading. So, yeah, send that in. You can do that on all the usual places. That's Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com, and Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast podcast on the facebook so been a good show lots of good chat but with all that said and done we will catch you down the road because we've been talking joe and we're all out of joes laters <laughs>